They are our 11 warriors. No, they are the 11 warriors. The most disciplined and the toughest damn dudes you're ever going to be around. Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined as always by Griffin Strom and also joined to start this week's episode by two special guests, Todd Markowitz and Tyvis Powell, who are both coming to us on behalf of the 1870 Society, which is the newest collective supporting Ohio State sports. Just launched today. Todd is the president of the 1870 Society and Tyvis who I'm sure you all know as a former Ohio State defensive back, is the director of player engagement of 1870. So uh, excited to have you guys on the show. And, uh, you know, really just first of all, you know, want to give you both an opportunity just to kind of tell everybody what 1870 is all about and, you know, why you wanted to be a part of this. Yeah, so it's uh, it would seem from the outside looking in like a big shift for me moving from 97-1 the fan the past 13 years to an NIL collective. Uh, but in reality, the verticals of these two positions are very similar uh, in terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis. And, and really, that's why uh, when I first started talking to the board, um, I was so interested in the opportunity uh, because of the similarities. We're going to be dealing with a lot of media uh connecting athletes to media engagement with corporate entities across uh, Ohio and beyond. Uh, and my expertise in the media background just seems like a perfect fit to help the NIL process with 1870 uh, get off to a flying start. And for me, you know, I just want to, I miss being around, you know, the team, you know, I always wanted to do right by the program. And obviously NIL is a big part of, you know, college football and all the college sports period. So just to get a chance to be around these athletes, you know, introduce them to NIL, you know, help them understand that they have obligations when they, when they sign with NIL and just basically teach them and walk them through this process. I thought it was a beautiful opportunity for me and I'm so excited to, to get started to get going to create some content for for all the people that decides to follow us and yeah it's gonna be a good year it's gonna be a good year and we're extremely excited to be able to announce today on our launch the appointment of tyvis as our director of athlete engagement or um it, it's just it, it's it's such an exciting appointment for us because we love tyvis i've gotten to know tyvis through the years at the radio station and he's the perfect fit for what we're trying to do with 1870 Society. Thank you, Todd. That is that's beautiful. I appreciate you for saying <laughs> such kind words. <laughs> Obviously, there's already a few collectives that support Ohio State athletes. What do you guys think will make 1870 different? It, it's a great question, and and Dan, it's a question that I get asked a lot. Um, you know, and I want to be uh, clear here, you know, the collectives that have already been in existence, many of them have done some great things. The reality is there's room in the space for all. Um, the, the reality is that we got to get this machine moving faster. And again, that's not to be uh, throw anything negative on the others. They've done great work and they've helped the university in a great way. We feel as though we've built this thing to be institutional for the university and we build it to last. And I think we benefited from seeing some of the hiccups and mistakes that have been made, not necessarily in NIL collectives at Ohio State, but across college sports. And we've been sort of sitting back and processing. And I think we built this thing in a way that's just uniquely different than the others. 
Yeah, uh, Todd, our understanding is that this is a, a for-profit collective rather than, you know, some of the others being non-profit. So what exactly does that, you know, enable you to do or, or you know, uh, enable you to do things that, you know, a non-profit can't do? Great question, Griffin. And, I, you know, I think we set it up that way specifically to separate ourselves uh, and understand that uh, the nucleus of this started out of Gary Marcinek and Cohesion Foundation. And initially, our name was going to be Cohesion LLC. And obviously, the difference there is there are 5013C, which is charity-based. And we are an LLC, which means that we can put together marketing programs for businesses uh, here in the community and across Ohio and beyond, uh, utilizing uh, the talents and the NIL uh, of athletes at Ohio State. So we can put together programs that uh, where the athlete is being utilized in a way that I, I can at times endorse a business. That depends on fit. We want to make sure that we're doing right by the athlete, putting them with the right partner, uh, which I think is so key. And obviously, I've had a history of doing that uh, at the fan with our on-air talent, as well as athletes that we uh, have under our umbrella on-air, like Tybus. So, uh, you know, again, very similar to what I've done at the fan for years and this, but really it's going to be about marketing opportunities, uh, marrying businesses with the athletes and their interests. Uh, you know, uh, there are so many examples we could go by where, uh, you know, look at Air Noland, who just committed, right? Well, you think the name Air, uh, you think of a lot of uh, potential opportunities there that make sense. And really it's about us putting the dots together going to the businesses, presenting them with the opportunity, doing a client needs analysis. How? Do, what do they need from us to help their business grow? What athletes are they interested in partnering with? And, uh, you know, the great news is we already have a bunch in the works, even though we launched today. Uh, you know, we've got a, a, a slate of opportunities that we've already been working on. So I think it'll be coming together here in short order. Todd, you mentioned that, you know, you think this thing needs to get moving faster. I think there's been a general sense among Ohio State fans that Ohio State isn't where it needs to be in terms of NIL, specifically in the recruiting space. What do you look at is what do you need to do in order for Ohio State to be right where it needs to be? I think there's a few things, Dan. I, I think, number one, you have to have the cooperation of the university and the coaches, Right. Um, you got to have uh, deep relationships uh, over at the faucet and the Woody. And we've worked very hard to develop those relationships through the years. Obviously, I had some of that through the fan, uh, but that's really key. And, and, and again, some of the other collectives have that as well. I, I think the difference uh, here comes from my media expertise uh, of over 38 years in media and uh, bringing my connections uh, to NIL uh, that I have uh, throughout Columbus and Ohio with decision makers that we've dealt with uh, throughout that period. And, and I think, uh, again, we've got some really unique things, some of which I can't talk about today, uh, but will be uh, released in short order. Um, you know, but uh, we got a lot of very unique things that we're working on that are going to separate and differentiate us from the competition. And, and, and by the way, when I say competition, yes, we're going to compete against the other collectives. But I want to be clear with that, that we're all trying to do the same thing for the university, right? And so, you know, when we talk about there's been a little less engagement from the fan base than we and the university had hoped, 
Um, the reality is there's been confusion and there's been mystery. There's been a, a shroud of mystery around what is NIL and how does it work and who do I give to? How do I make a decision? What do I need to do as a fan, right? So a big part of what we're going to do is education, uh, talking about what can and can't be done, because believe it or not, everybody says it's the wild, wild west. Uh, and to a certain degree, it is right now. But but the reality is that uh, there are guardrails in place. And one of those guardrails is the university is not allowed to give these athletes money. And it's not that they don't want to do that. It's that they can't do that. And I think that's really where a lot of the uh, confusion comes in. And I hear it on the fan with the talent, right? They talk about NIL and, and there's confusion there. And, you know, our job, my job, Tyvis's job is going to be to remove that mystery and let everybody know that this is a real need for um, Ohio State athletics right now across the board. And um, if we don't get off the sideline as fans and, and alumni and donors and get in the game of NIL, you know, you're going to see a um, you're going to see the elite that is on the field uh, be impacted by that as we go two, three, four years down the road. And none of us want to see that happen. Right. First and foremost, I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio, a Buckeye fan by my father, right? So, uh, you know, both my kids graduated from Ohio State. I'm an official alumni of Ohio State, even though I graduated from Xavier, full disclosure. I went for one semester, by the way. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a dream opportunity for me. And the reason I left a space that I've been in for so many years is because I want to uh, help our coaches, uh, Gene, the university, uh, be able to be, uh, like I said, elite for years to come. And we don't want any drop off in that. And NIL, the genie's out of the bottle, kids. It ain't going back in. And if we don't, uh, as a collective group of Buckeye Nation, which we know is humongous and passionate, if we don't understand that we have to uh, step in and and you know, get this thing moving in a much quicker direction, you're going to see that attrition of being a lead on the field. Any any plans for you guys to work or collaborate with other collectives at all? And uh, do you think that, you know, there's room for that in this space or, or not so much? Griffin, I hope so. You know, I, I think, um, you know, this has been a very competitive space, as you guys are well aware. Uh, you know, some folks have been in it for quite some time since the inception. Uh, but, you know, I'm really hoping to be able to reach out to those other collectives. Uh, obviously, as an LLC, there are certain things we can't do that only the 5013Cs can. And we need to be able to work together to make sure that um, if it isn't an LLC or marketing solution, that those dollars still go where they need to go to help the university. So, yes, I, I hope that we can have that dialogue. I'm looking forward to uh, meeting the other uh, leaders of those collectives and uh, who knows what the future holds. What are the things that you guys can't do that a 501c3 can? It isn't so much about what we can't do. It's, it's, it's really focused on what we can do, right? So if there is a donation made and there needs to be a tax deduction associated with that for a business, that has to run through one of the 5013Cs. Because as an LLC, legally, we are not able to provide that. So what we're offering in lieu of that is access to the program that you can't get anywhere else. 
and you can see that at uh, the 1870society.com starting today. Uh, so that's exciting for us because a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes, uh, getting all this infrastructure put together. And we spent a lot of time on it. And we've collaborated very closely with the university on these. So there are, there are uh, assets that you will receive based on your giving level. This would be through our subscription option, which there are two verticals here. There is the sub subscription option, and then there is the going out and putting together marketing plans and solutions for businesses. Those are two separate silos, okay? But obviously all that money is funneling into 1870 society and any money coming in is going right back out to athletes, right? Um, which is, is so critical. Our hope was building this, uh, and I think we've succeeded as we launch here today, uh, my hope has always been, and, and I've said this to all the folks that I've met with, we're going to do this ethically. We're going to do this with morals. We're going to do this looking out in the best interest of our student athletes and uh, protecting them from any bad actors out there, right? Uh, and we're going to fulfill what we promise. And I think that's really key in the collective space. And I know around the country with some collectives, that hasn't been the case. Uh, we've seen some of the challenges at some of the universities that have just been recent. Uh, you can promise a lot, but if you can't deliver, that's that's a problem. And, you know, we're not going to make promises we can't deliver. Pivas, you being a former player, what do you think that can bring uh, to 1870 Society? What are the things that you feel like you can draw from your own background playing for Ohio State and then be able to bring to working with these athletes? Well, I definitely bring the the mind of a former athlete or what these kids are thinking about. Um, just being a former athlete and being able to engage with some of these athletes, you know, I'll be able to obviously talk their game, you know, especially if I'm creating content for the fans to see and things like that. You know, I'll be able to ask them questions and get their background stories and get an inside look. You know, it's, it's for some odd reason, athletes tend to open up more when they're talking to athletes. So it's kind of bringing some of that locker room talk for fans to be able to see. Um, and just also, I think when they look at a former Buckeye like myself, they'll know that I hold their best interest. You know, they'll, they'll know that they can trust me and they know that I'll do everything I can to make sure that they look good in the light and they can succeed with this within this NIL uh, world. And Tyvis, uh, more of a football question here for you, but, you know, obviously you were part of a national championship defense at Ohio State. Uh, what do you think, you know, the, the current defense needs to do to, to get back to that national championship level, uh, especially with, you know, some of the stuff you've seen in practice here uh, recently? Well, it's funny that you ask. <laughs> well, I think that what made us so special is that it was just a group that we were, you know, we were very tight, very close. You know, it was that we had each other's back and you have to truly love each other and really care about each other, because if you do that, then you'll you'll go harder than you think you would. If it's just about you, then you'll, you won't go as hard. But if you know that your brother is dependent on you to do your job then you'll go a tad bit harder. And I think this group, it, it, it was getting there. I don't know if it quite got there last year, but they were getting there. I think now that they had another system, another year under Jim Knowles, they'll be they'll be much better. They'll move more. They'll be able to speak the same language. Everybody will be on the same page when it comes to, you know, seeing formation and seeing what's going on. They'll be able to communicate those things. Um, and outside of that, it's just about trusting each other to do each other's job. You know, you don't want to, I don't want to you don't want to play safety and be like, I got to cover for this linebacker. 
like that if that's on your mind then everybody won't succeed you'll leave a, a gap somewhere so trusting everybody to do their job which i think is there and just doing your job as hard as you can you'll definitely succeed in this in this uh game Tyvis and I were at practice yesterday, and I literally several times had to pull him back and hold his shirt <laughs> trying to coach the team, uh, which, you know, he still has that passion, obviously, and uh, just, again, such a great addition for us. Tyvis, the- any, uh, sorry, Dan, any uh, DBs you're, you're especially excited about uh, coming into this year for Ohio State? Yeah, you know, actually it is. You know, I, I Jordan Hancock was a guy who, you know, he got sidelined last year, but all through the spring and all through training camp before he got injured, we heard a lot about him. He was a guy that I hadn't really got to see with my own eyes. But yesterday, or not yes, two days ago, we went to practice and um, I got to watch him live and he moves really well. Um, he seems like he's very confident. I got to see Denzel Burke finally get some get his hand on the ball. He had an interception in practice. So it goes to show that these kids have been putting in the work. You know, they really tried to make their weaknesses and turn them into their strengths. Another guy that stood out to me was Sonny Styles. I mean, the kid is is for his age, he's really big and he moves very well. It'll be very interesting to see where they have him on the field because a guy like him, he just can make plays. I think he needs to be around the ball more often if they do that i mean he the the sky's the limit he could be the next great safety at ohio state before we let you guys go is there just anything else both of you that you want people to know about 1870 society and what you all are going to be doing from my perspective i think the main message is again we've got to get off the sideline and into the game and i think people understanding how it works uh some of it's going to be education from us but we really need the fans to invest some time to understand how it's going to impact the teams they enjoy rooting for and uh, being willing to step up to the plate and participate. And I look forward to getting out in the community, talking to business leaders uh, about how we can incorporate NIL into what they do from a marketing perspective uh, and from a giving perspective. You know, there's so many options within the space, whether it's something internally for your business having some athletes come in and motivate your team, whether it's, you know, signings, meet and greets, uh, whether it's OTT or radio or television or print. uh, There's just so many options here. And I can't wait to get out uh, full time and start talking to folks about how we can make that work for their business to to drive success for their bottom line. And to and just to echo what Todd said, it's just about, you know, this is a we're a family. You know, Buckeye Nation is one big family. And right now we need each other. You know, if we the the athletic programs truly need this family to come together, put our differences aside and do what's best to keep this program being at the top of all of college and all the sports. And we all need each other to just we if you don't know please reach out, ask us questions. We are, we would love to help you guys understand what you can do and how you can help this. You know, this program has been among the elites for many, many years, and I don't want to see that fall off. We enjoy coming to these games and cheering these athletes on. We've been doing it for so many years. Now we need to continue to do it and be happy, be proud to be Buckeyes. Um, and it's going to take all of us to get this thing going. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Congratulations on the launch, and we'll be uh, following closely everything you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Dan Griffin, thank you guys so much. Thank you all so much. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Before we continue on with the rest of the podcast, do want to take a minute to acknowledge uh, 1870 Society. Uh, 
one of the board members for 1870 is uh, our publisher at 11 Warriors, Jason Priestess. And so I know there's going to be a lot of questions about kind of our relationship with 1870 uh, in terms of 11 Warriors uh, and uh, the new collective. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there is going to be a relationship there between the two sides. I know there's going to be, you know, more information about that on 11warriors.com. And so you can read more about that there. Um, but what I what I will say is that we are going to continue to do our job the same way that we've always done them. And so uh, I think it would be it would be inaccurate if we tried to say that we can objectively talk about 1870 as a collective because uh, there is that you know business relationship there uh, between 11 warriors and between 1870 society. Uh, but from our perspective, we're going to continue to do the jobs the same way we've always done them. You know, we're going to still ask the tough questions if they need to be asked. We're still going to, uh, you know, write the negative stories when they need to be written about o Ohio State sports. And so, you know, neither Griffin nor I nor any of the other writers at 11 Warriors other than Jason have any direct affiliation with 1870. And so uh, we wanted to, you know, bring them on today to kind of, you know, tell you all about the, the new venture and, you know, be, be informative. Certainly uh, it's, it's news whenever a new collective springs up in the Ohio state market. And so I wanted to give you all the opportunity to hear from them and, and learn more about the new collective that's in the Ohio state market. But, you know, obviously, you know, there will be uh, certain restrictions per se on, you know, what, what we may, uh, you know, be able to talk about in the future in regards to 1870. But, you know, just in terms of us covering the team, you know, we don't anticipate this changing the way we do our jobs or that be writing, podcasting, reporting, whatever we do. We don't anticipate that changing our jobs in any way. And so we're going to uh, continue to proceed forward the same way we always have, but certainly wanted to acknowledge that uh, before we continue on here, because, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of questions about that just in terms of, you know, conflict of interest and, and journalistic objectivity. That relationship, you know, those questions are very valid. Uh, but in terms of how we cover Ohio State, we're going to continue to cover Ohio State the same way we always have. And Dan, to that end, the spring game is coming up on us this weekend, this upcoming Saturday. Uh, the, uh, this past Friday, we actually got a, an extra you know, bonus opportunity to watch practice again at Ohio State. Certainly the, the most opportunities uh, I've had to watch uh, extended periods, Dan, of, of Ohio State practice and, and scrimmage reps 11 on 11 uh, this spring. So that has certainly been a very nice, Dan. But, you know, nothing too earth shattering, I would say, that 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 we saw on that that Friday. However, there there have been a couple of injuries, Dan, uh, to notable Buckeyes. We saw Steel Chambers uh, on a little uh, what was it a, 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 on crutches there, Dan. He's got a you know a low, lower body injury, and Xavier Johnson as well, another guy. I saw him riding around in like a boot uh, on one of those kind of scooters, um, and so it sounds like those guys are going to be obviously out for the, the rest of the spring with the spring game coming up so soon here. Uh, but it sounded like from, from what Ryan Day told us after that session that 
They expect both of those guys to, to return by the summer, maybe, you know, preseason after that, but, but nothing that will keep those guys out, you know, for the, the season or, or the start of the season or anything like that. Yeah, certainly very appreciative. Uh, the amount of access we've had to practices this spring, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, it it just helps us do our jobs better when we're able to actually see the team practice more, practice in real football settings. We've now had the opportunity to do that three times this spring. And of course, we'll have a fourth on Saturday. So uh, certainly appreciative of that extra access this spring. Uh, I, I think it certainly uh, has us feeling more informed and in turn able to uh, provide more information to you all about what's actually happening spring, you know, being able to actually see it with your own eyes rather than just hearing it from what the coaches have to say. Uh, that That's always very helpful. And, and and you do, you do notice things like that, that you maybe wouldn't know about if you weren't at practice, you see, okay, steel chambers isn't out there. Xavier Johnson isn't out there. Um, you know, there's a reason why they're more protective with that stuff come fall than they are right now, because the vast majority of these guys that are out with injuries right now this spring are expected to be back on the field for preseason camp. And so that's the good news. Uh, they are going to be a little thin uh, at linebacker for the spring game on Saturday, though, because if you look at it with Steel Chambers out and Tommy Eichenberg out, uh, they only have four scholarship linebackers practicing right now, those being Cody Simon, C.J. Hicks, Gabe Powers, and Reed Carrico. The good news there is that's meant a lot of reps for those guys. You know, C.J. Hicks, Gabe Powers, Reed Carrico, those are three guys in particular. None of them played a single defensive snap last year. So they've had the opportunity to really get a lot of reps this spring as they try to carve out roles for themselves. And I think it's been a good spring for those guys. You know, we talked about Gabe Powers earlier in the spring uh, about, you know, him having a standout performance in the first scrimmage. I thought Reed Carrico had a really good day uh, when we were out there on Friday. I mean, I, you you hear uh, Austin Edwards uh, who calls out, you know, who's who's do, making standout plays and stuff during a practice. And I, I think I heard Reed Carrico's name more than anybody else on Friday. So I think that's a really good sign for Reed Carrico. I thought Cody Simon had a good day on Friday as well. Uh, there was a couple of plays that he forced incompletions in the red zone with, with strong coverage. And so, I, I think we've seen some good things from those backup linebackers. I don't, I, I think with CJ Hicks, I think, you know, he's one of those guys that everybody really wants to hear us come on here and say, man, he looked awesome out there. I, I don't, I don't think CJ in my view has really had a day yet that we've been there, but it's like, wow, you got to get that guy on the field. Like, I, I don't think we've seen that kind of day from him, but I think he's been solid. Like, I, I, mean, I think the good news is, I can't really think of any moments we've been out there this spring where I went, well, that was bad from CJ. Like he doesn't seem to be making mistakes out there. I don't know that he's necessarily making a ton of flashy plays out there, but maybe people are expecting from CJ Hicks. And that doesn't mean he won't. This is just a, a, a few practices, but you know, I, I don't think that I've seen, you know, anything from CJ where I'm like, like, wow, you have to put that guy on the field. But the fact that he's, the guy who's out there getting first team reps when Steel Chambers is out, that certainly says something that he's doing something right this spring. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's it's just probably important for him at this stage that you know he didn't look out of place while he's getting those first team reps there, and that, that they trust him enough, you know, to to give him those first team reps with a, a, the likes of Steel Chambers out instead of you know putting maybe a more experienced guy in that that first string role there. Uh, Dan, how about another guy that's that stood out? On the defense uh, this spring, though, Cam Martinez, 
uh, continues to get the, those first team reps at that nickel safety spot. And he had an interception uh, on that Friday scrimmage day in seven on seven. I believe it was Kyle McCord attempting a pass to Jaden Ballard kind of underneath. Um, Cam Martinez picked it off. Would have been a pick six, you know, even if it was 11 on 11 uh, live reps there for Ohio State. So that was certainly uh, one of the notable plays of the day. And we kind of talked about it before with, you know, Jihad, Jihad Carter, unfortunately, going down with that injury um, a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was um, that, you know, that, that was only going to help kind of Cam Martinez's ability to to have an iron grip on those those first team reps at nickel safety. Uh, you know, we'll see if that continues to be the case once Carter gets back into the mix, uh, maybe in, in, in the fall and the summer and things like that. Um, but but right now, it seems like Cam Martinez is really capitalizing on those opportunities. Yeah, it really does. You know, I think it, it seems like he's had a good spring, certainly Friday. Uh, he was somebody who stood out to me. I mean, not even just on that interception, but just his overall coverage there uh, in the slot at that nickel safety position. Uh, he seems like somebody who's uh, making good progress there. So, uh, you know, it's certainly going to be interesting to see, you know, come preseason camp, assuming Jod Carter's healthy and back on the field, how he can factor into things, you know, because does he, uh, you know, make a push to to win that nickel job away from Cam Martinez? Could he push for the free safety job? Could he push Josh Proctor at that spot? I, I don't think that's out of the question either. So going to be interesting to see where Jahad factors in. I mean, certainly I think he's a guy who transferred to Ohio State with visions of, of playing a major role this year. But uh, I think Cam Martinez is taking advantage of that opportunity to where it's now uh, far from a foregone conclusion that uh, Jahad Carter is going to take that starting job. Dan, I feel like so far, you know, talking about the offense and the quarterback play in particular, I still don't feel like I've been, you know, completely blown away really by either guy. So, you know, it still is spring and it's still early. Um, but, you know, I, I think you could look at that as maybe a, a bit of a concern right now. Just the the fact that, you know, I, I feel like neither guy has truly really separated from the other one um, and that, you know, I, I haven't been really consistently wowed but but you know again it's another thing where it, you know that, that speaks to how good the the defense has looked this spring as well yeah i'm, I'm right there with you i mean I, I you know if we're just going to be real about it i mean i don't think they've been great from what we've seen that's not to say they've been bad but the standard for quarterback play is so high at ohio state now when you went from dwayne haskins to justin fields and cj stroud but the standard now is heisman finalist I and mean, that that's the expectation now that if you're a quarterback at Ohio State, you, you're expected to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And I, I'd i be lying if I said from what we've seen this spring I that I live there going, man, that guy or that guy is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. That doesn't mean they can't be. There's certainly plenty of time for them to get there. And the fact that they, you know, are still inexperienced, uh, you know, you, you'd expect some growing pains along the way. But you know, I certainly I think when we look ahead to this Saturday in the spring game, all the talk we've heard from Ryan Day about wanting to name a starting quarterback this spring, to me, if that's gonna happen, if somebody's gonna separate themselves in that competition, it's gotta happen on Saturday because I don't think it's happened yet. Yeah, the the, the likelihood I feel like of, of them kind of making any official announcement on that at the end of spring. Uh, I don't know if seems doesn't seem too likely, but I guess, you know, there still is time for for a guy to to really make a strong impression here, maybe in the spring game. Uh, Dan, as far as the, the true freshmen are concerned, both Jelani Thurman and Malik Hartford shed their black stripes 
uh, becoming the second and third to do so this spring here. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the talk about Jelani Thurman just uh, continues to grow. Uh, Keenan Bailey had a lot of good things to say about him recently. Um, obviously, he is still just a true freshman, and there's a lot to learn at the tight end position for Ohio State. Uh, Hartford, maybe we haven't heard quite as much about, but obviously shedding the black stripe, always uh, a, a positive indicator this early in a true freshman's career at Ohio State. Yeah, our, our Chris Lauterbach wrote a story for 11 Warriors on Sunday, which I, I think is very true that you know there's a lot of hype about the freshman this time of year and i think realistically when we project ahead to this fall i don't envision that many members of this freshman class are going to play major roles this year but that's not to say that they're not having great springs great off seasons it's just a matter of i i don't know how much playing time is really going to be available for a freshman on the depth chart this year but certainly you look at those guys who have lost their black stripes uh, and you and you you circle them as guys who may have the best chance. I mean, we've already talked a lot about Carnell Tate. Uh, I think Jelani Furman's another guy that you know he's putting himself in that conversation at tight end. And I think, you know, right now, if I look at the tight end depth chart, you know, Cade Stover is going to be the starter. You, you think G. Scott and Joe Royer are going to be the guys who play most of the snaps behind Stover, but I think Furman is putting himself in that conversation with the way that he is performed this spring. You know, Keenan Bailey talked about what's impressed him most is that Jelani and Carnell are two of the first players in the facility every day. And so why are they two of the first freshmen to lose their black stripes this year? Not just because they're really talented, but because they're also putting in the work. They're they're doing everything they can to try to get up to speed as quickly as they can. And so, you know, I think those are two guys you look at and go, how much playing time is there going to be available for them in the offense? I don't know. But I think they're doing everything they can to make people like Brian Hartline and, and Ryan Day think about, man, can we find a role for this guy? Because I think I think they're making that kind of push to where uh, it's going to be harder and harder to, to keep them off the field entirely. You know, I think with Malik Hartford, you know, I think, you know, ideally you're not going to want to be relying on a, on a true freshman at safety. But obviously, you know, secondary remains a question mark. We talked about it last week. Safety, probably the biggest question mark position on the defense right now. It's certainly a good thing that Hartford is making those early strides because uh, if he can provide some immediate depth as a freshman, you're going to feel better about what we've talked about. I think their depth at safety is pretty good. They they need those star players to really emerge of a position. But, you know, if Hartford's a guy who can put himself in position to be a quality depth player, then you never know if things don't go as well at the top of the depth chart. Maybe he's a guy who gains more opportunities to play as the season progresses. Dan, let's dive in kind of more specifically to the spring game itself and, and kind of what will be keeping an eye on here on Saturday. Uh, obviously, we, are, we already kind of touched on the fact that, you know, all the all eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks. Uh, they both certainly need a, a strong finish. Could one of them actually separate from the other? That remains to be seen. Uh, that's going to be, you know, one of the obvi obvious major storylines there. Dan, I think besides that, you know, you, you have to think about that, the offensive line, really that right tackle spot where we've seen, uh, you know, a little bit of instability. I would say that this spring with guys kind of rotating in and out of that spot with the first team unit, that's going to be of particular interest, especially because of how good the defensive line has looked, Dan, up going up against that kind of uh, retooled lineup there up front for the Ohio State offensive line. So, uh, you know, are we going to see improvement on, on Saturday 
you know, as compared to some of the caliber of play we saw in the previous scrimmages and stuff, or is it going to kind of look the same where we're seeing a lot of kind of breakdowns of front for, for the offensive line? Um, that's going to be a major storyline as well. Yeah. To me, I think when you think about the position battles that are going to be playing out on Saturday, I think quarterback and right tackle are the two you really look at. I mean, you have to imagine that they're going to do what they've done all spring with McCord and Brown, that they're going to give those guys uh, equal reps with the first and second team uh, and, you know, really allow those guys to, you know, both play the same amount of drives and, and evaluate them evenly based on that. And you would think they're going to go a similar approach at right tackle because we've seen that a lot this spring, too, where sometimes Tegra's with a one and Zen Mahalski's with a two. And sometimes Zen Mahalski's with the ones and Tiger Shabola's with the twos. So you would think they're going to do that at right tackle. I think you'll probably see a decent amount of rotation across the offensive line as a whole. You know, we've seen Victor Cutler mixing in there for some first team reps at center. And so you'd imagine they're going to do that at center as well. Even at guard, we've seen Enoch Famahi mixing in quite a bit at both left and right guards. So you'd imagine he's going to get some opportunities with the first team offensive line as well. So going to be a a good amount of rotation, but when I think about, okay, where's the real competition happening? I think it's that right tackle position. And and to me, we've talked about it before. I think that right tackle competition, it's not just those guys competing against each other, but it's also competing against the looming specter of a possible transfer coming in this summer. And this is going to be the last opportunity for those guys to really make a statement that, hey, I can be the starting right tackle this year. Because the the transfer portal actually opens this weekend. And so within the next week, Ohio State is going to start making decisions about, okay, who do we need to go pursue in the transfer portal and and mining the portal for, for potential guys who could come in and help the team this year. And you'd certainly think right now the number one position that they're going to be looking for is does a starting right tackle end up in the portal. And so this is kind of a last chance for for those guys to make a statement that could ultimately I don't want to say change the plans but ultimately could, you know, leave that lasting impression on the coaches to decide okay, how aggressively do we need to pursue tackles that might enter the portal. Yeah, Dan, another position I'm really interested in watching on Saturday kind of for different reasons because I think from from what me and you have seen so far in practice, when we've been able to watch the cornerback play, I think has been really good for Ohio State. Um, and so I'm I'm curious to see if that if that trend also continues uh, in the spring game, and and if guys like Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, uh, Davison Igbenos, and Jair Brown, you know, all continue to look kind of a, a, as good as they have when we've been there in practice. And I guess also just seeing how kind of the, the the splits go with the you know first team opportunities and, and things of that nature because all of those guys at times I feel like have looked like you know starter caliber corners for Ohio State this spring, which is going to make the the battle for those two spots, you know, all the more interesting come fall. Yeah, I would imagine at corner it's going to be pretty similar to the position we just talked about where you would think between Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Davis and Igbenosin and Jair Brown, all four of those guys are going to mix in there. Uh, to get some first team reps. I'll be interested to see if a guy like Jair, do we see him get some reps in the nickel spot as well? Because we've seen him do that some in practice and assuming Jihad Carter isn't going to play, I'm going to guess that unless they think he's 100%, they're probably going to keep him out for precautionary reasons. But uh, do we see Jair mix in there and get some reps at that nickel spot along with Cam Martinez? Do they rotate 
much of the other safety spots. You know, do we see Sonny get some first team reps? Do we see uh, Kai Stokes get some first team reps? Uh, definitely going to be interested uh, to see, you know, what they do there in terms of, uh, you know, reps on the back end uh, in a secondary. Uh, I mean, I think linebacker is going to be an interesting position as well because of what we talked about with Steele and Tommy not being out there and only having four scholarship linebackers. You, you would think Cody Simon, CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers, Reed Carrico, you know, when we do the spring game snap counts next week, you would think those guys are going to be pretty high on that list because of the fact that they're just not a lot of healthy linebackers on the roster right now. I don't know if we'll see, you know, I'm moving a long snapper to play linebacker like we saw a few years ago, but uh, I think, uh, you know, that those, those top four linebackers, they're going to, they're going to get a lot of reps out there. And certainly again, you know, for those guys, I think this is a big chance for them. Uh, if if they want to earn roles on the defense this year, these are the kind of opportunities for them to make a statement that could help make that happen. Yeah, and I also think on, on offense, both wide receiver and running back are, are pretty interesting just because of all the injuries Ohio State has at those positions that are going to enable so many of the you know younger guys and guys looking for more opportunities to try to separate themselves and make statements. Of course, like you know, if Carnell Tate goes out there and has a massive day at wide receiver for Ohio State. You know, that's just going to kick his his hype and, and fans excitement for him into overdrive. You know, you wonder how many reps a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. really needs to take in a spring game setting. Um, obviously, you know, the, the Xavier Johnson injury here recently as well, just uh, adding to that list of guys that that aren't going to be playing in that spring game for Ohio State and a running back as well. You know, with, with Travion Henderson, you know, Mayan Williams doesn't really seem likely to to be playing in that one either. So, you know, you've got chances for guys like Chip Tranum. And uh, Dallin Hayden there to make big plays at running back as well and kind of boost their stock at the end of the spring. Might as well cover all the bases ahead of a defensive line too, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be another interesting position group to watch. We've seen when we've been out there this spring, you know, they've, they've really had their way with the offensive line. So can they keep that going? Uh, and is that a good thing? You know, you think maybe maybe you want to see the offensive line, offensive line win a little more on Saturday because, you know, obviously that position is such a, concern but you know defensive line i mean we've seen you know guys like jt and and mike hall and tyleek williams those guys have had really good springs you know i'm interested to see i I hope we get to see kenyatta jackson get a good amount of reps with the first team group because he's had a really good spring but a lot of times he's been going up against you know guys like miles walker who's a a true freshman it's kind of hard to gauge kenyatta's progress when he's going up against a true freshman. So, you know, I hope we get to see a lot of reps of Kenyatta going against uh, Tegra and Zed Mahalski and, and Josh Fryer, because he's a guy that looks to me, you know, I think, you know, Caden Curry was the guy that had a lot of a hype coming into the spring, but I think Kenyatta Jackson's the guy who maybe comes out of spring as the guy who, you know, really has the most momentum among those backup defensive ends. Can he build on that on Saturday? He's certainly somebody I'll have my eye on. Dan, uh, state your state your case here. Who is your spring game MVP? Uh, call your shot. I'm going to go with Carnell Tate. We've seen Carnell Tate have a really good spring. As you mentioned, I, I think Marv's reps are going to be limited on Saturday. There's no Mecca Buka, no Julian Fleming, no Xavier Johnson. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities for those other wide receivers to show what they can do. And based on what we've seen from Carnell Tate this spring, uh, you know, he he's looked fantastic out there. He's looked like a guy who's ready to make an impact at the collegiate level. 
the spring game typically favors the passing game. You know, you don't usually get a great read on the run game in the spring game. It typically tends to be more of a pass happy affair. Uh, and certainly if evaluating those quarterbacks, you think there, there's going to be a lot of passing situations in this game, a lot of opportunities for those receivers to go up and make plays. And I'm going to say that we're going to see Carnell Tate make a few plays and, and keep that hype train rolling. Yeah, that's, that's certainly a good pick, Dan, for sure. There, there's other guys in that room as well that, that could end up making some big plays uh, on that day. A, a Jaden Ballard, you know, a guy like that, that that needs to continue to show, you know, improvement and, and his big playmaking ability. I'm going to I'm going to just say, Dan, uh, I'm going to say that Kyle McCord starts to separate himself in the spring game. I think, you know, while, while we've been talking about the fact that neither guy has really blown us away, I think we we have acknowledged that Kyle McCord is still you know, kind of the leader in, in that battle right now. But I think, you know, with a with a really solid spring game performance, if he if he kind of edges out Devin Brown in that setting and ends up having, you know, not turning the ball over a bunch of times and things like that, that it will, you know, do do big things for his trajectory as a potential next starter uh, for Ohio State. Yeah, to me, I mean, I think for for one quarterback to really leave Saturday as this guy's QB one. There's got to be a clear difference between the two, but I think we would both agree that if it's close right now, the tie would go to Kyle. And, you know, so if Kyle's even a little bit better than Devin on Saturday, then I think we're going to come out of Saturday thinking Kyle's probably the starting quarterback. I think, you know, between the two, Devin's the guy who really, you know, he needs to have a great day to really make his case to be the starter. You know, I think, you know, I'm probably only going to come out of there thinking Devin is the starter if he blows us away and Kyle has a has a rough day. You know, I think that the need for Devin to have a clearly better day than Kyle is more than it is the other way around. But I, I still think for both those guys, you, you, you'd like to see them come out and, and really have a strong finish of a spring. It doesn't mean you expect them to be perfect because you also want to see the corners make some plays. You want to see uh, the defense hold its own. And so, uh, you know, nobody's going to be expecting perfection. And, you know, again, you know, I think like if you just think back to examples from past spring games, like I think, uh, I think Justin Fields in his first spring game at Ohio state went like four of 13 or something. And so uh, certainly uh, we should go, go in with remembering that, Spring games are not always telling of what's actually going to happen in the future. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of analysis of a quarterback's performances. You know, typically whenever there's been a starting quarterback competition, I've gone back through and charted every throw of a quarterback's made and and written a whole story on that. And I plan on doing that again uh, because we're certainly still in the middle of a starting quarterback competition. But, you know, we also have to remember at the same time that it is just one out of 15 practices this spring, one out of. 40 plus practices if you want to include uh preseason camp in that equation as well. And so uh Saturday will not be the be all end all, but I think it is an important factor in that equation for two reasons. One, it's going to be their only time before the season that we see them in the shoe with all the public watching with the fans. When the lights are bright, who, who steps up? I think that is an important part of the evaluation of a quarterback uh, to see how they handle the spotlight, how they handle the extra pressure, because we know there's few more pressure-packed positions in college football 
than being the starting quarterback at Ohio State. So I think that's one reason it's important. And then I think secondly, just the fact that we've talked about, we haven't seen either of these guys clearly separate from the other. I, I think that adds importance to this spring game for the quarterbacks because this is going to be their last opportunity until preseason camp for one of them really to separate themselves from the other. And if Ryan Day really does want to name a starting quarterback after spring practices, which I don't think there's going to be any announcement after the game on Saturday. I think he's going to say, we got to go back and watch the film and evaluate from there. But if he really does want to name a quarterback in short order here after the spring, then this spring game is going to be that last opportunity for both of those guys to state their case. And uh, elsewhere in Ohio State quarterback news, the future got a little bit brighter over the weekend for the Buckeyes at the position as Ryan Day finally has his guy in that 2024 class. Obviously, you know, everybody knows what, what happened uh, with the kind of previous plans there for the, that position in that class, Dylan Rayola decommitting and things of that nature. Uh, but there certainly seems to be a lot to like about Air Nolan, Dan, who, who just committed to the Buckeyes uh, on Saturday evening, I believe, um, you know, a, a left-handed quarterback, Dan, uh, that that'll definitely catch your eye when you're when you're watching him play. He's six three, listed at one ninety five right now. Um, the number eighty four overall prospect in the two four seven Sports Composite, eighth overall quarterback. Uh, I've seen him, you know, ranked higher in, in other, you know, kind of recruiting uh, services and outlets and things like that as well, Dan. But um, what what do you make of, of this commitment and just how big is this for the Buckeyes? Yeah, the other thing I'll catch your eye is last year, he threw 55 touchdown passes and only four interceptions while leading his high school team, which also included Jelani Furman, uh, to a state championship. So uh, I think this is a very good pickup for Ohio State. You know, I think it's another great example of uh, when things go sideways at the quarterback position. Ryan Day and Ohio State have always been able to respond in recruiting. And I think this is another great response. I mean, even just seeing the reactions from the other commits in the class, you can tell. Uh, this is somebody that the other members of the class and even current members of a team are really excited to play with. And so I think he's somebody who's going to be a great fit in the class, a great fit in uh, the culture Ryan Day wants to build at Ohio State. And I, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think, you know, again, I mean, you know, obviously he he's going to be compared against Dylan Rayola, you know, just like whoever starts for Ohio State this year is going to be compared against Quinn Ewers. But I, I think that uh, with Aaron Nolan, I think they've landed somebody who uh, certainly has the talent to potentially be a future starting quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, and I think to be put in the position they were in, where they were really, you know, obviously, you know, they started out, you know, Dylan Rayola, Jaden Davis were kind of the two top targets. But by the time they Rayola decommitted, they had lost too much ground of Jaden Davis to really get back in that race. And so, you know, they really had to reset the board and find a new target quickly. And I think when you looked at that right away, Aaron Noland was the guy who kind of stood out as of uncommitted guys, the guy who would probably be the best fit for Ohio state and Ohio state was ultimately able to go out and make that happen and secure his commitment. Yeah. how about another big time offensive commit for Ohio state uh, last week in, in Milan Graham, another five-star receiver for Brian Hartline. I mean, at this point, Dan, it's just becoming, you know, rather routine for, you know, uh, Brian Hartline to bring in these, these top flight talents here. Uh, you noted here in our notes for the podcast, that's 16 top 100 receivers, seven top 50 receivers since 2019, Dan, that is, you know, wild stuff there. And you wrote that the, the next closest in, in both of those categories is Alabama with eight top 100. So that would be half 
the top 100 receivers and five top 50 receivers. Yeah, we talked last week, but we we thought Mylon Graham would be committing to Ohio State soon. We didn't know what it would be before last week's podcast actually went live, but uh, certainly uh, another big get for Ohio State and for Brian Hartline, who continues to recruit at a, a truly an unmatched level across you know all assistant coaches in in college football. I mean, it just what what he continues to do at that wide receiver position. It's unmatched. And uh, certainly, you know, you look at Aaron Nolan's coming in, you look at Mylon Graham coming in, uh, three top 100 prospects in one week for Ohio State uh, with James Peoples starting that off on Sunday. Uh, a lot of momentum right now for Ohio State recruiting, although it is very much on the offensive side of the ball. You look at the 2024 class, uh, eight commits so far on offense, only one on defense. And so I think that's uh, the, the good news is, yeah, they're putting together the pieces to continue having an elite offense. The concern that some Ohio State fans are going to have is where are all the defensive players? Now, there are some defensive players who I think they're in good shape with. Uh, you know, I think you look at uh, Peyton Pierce, the linebacker from Texas, uh, in-state cornerbacks, Bryce West and Aaron Scott, uh, Miles Lockhart, who just visited again this week and then proceeded to announce a commitment date of July 6th. Uh, he's viewed as a heavy Ohio State lean, uh, as is Reggie Powers, uh, the in-state safety from Centerville, Ohio. And so, you know, I think there's at least five guys there that Ohio State can feel uh, really good about as, as guys who are are likely to end up uh, at Ohio State at some point if if things keep going uh, the way they're currently trending. Uh, and then certainly, you know, Ohio State, uh, I think the momentum it's built over the last couple of weeks is only going to help its cause here. Uh, as spring concludes going into the summer uh, of trying to make more headway with other top defensive players. Yeah, and some some big news on the basketball front for Ohio State as well here as they landed their first you know transfer edition of the offseason just recently. Uh, they they lost their first you know player from from this past roster to the transfer portal with Eugene Brown. Um, and, and they kind of immediately uh, get a, a somebody that can come in at that kind of small forward power forward position, somebody that that can play both. And it's a familiar face as well because it was Minnesota forward Jamison Battle who, who played for the Golden Gophers for two seasons, uh, played Ohio State three times. I think he had 11 points in that that upset win for the Gophers over Ohio State um, at the shot this past season. Um, but and, and that's that's big news, Dan, because you know he was like a top 25 rated transfer prospect in the transfer portal. Um, depending on on which sites rankings you were looking at there. The first season he came over from George Washington, where he started out his college career, uh, he averaged over 17 points a game for Minnesota. Uh, the production kind of tapered off a little bit this past season. He did, he was dealing with some injuries, Dan. Um, and also they they had that North Carolina transfer that came in Dawson Garcia, uh, a big, a big guy that could also stretch the floor. So I think that kind of cut into some of battles uh, productivity as well. Uh, but still ended up over two seasons, averaging over 15 points per game. And he's going to be a serious three-point shooter for Ohio State as well as a guy that's shot over seven uh, threes a game for his entire career. Yeah, I think he's exactly what Ohio State needed out of a transfer portal with Justice Suing leaving, uh, you know, Sean McNeil, another three-point shooter leaving, uh, and likely Bryce Sensabaugh leaving. Uh, they needed someone who could bring in some you know, immediate scoring ability and they certainly needed that at the forward position. And so I think you look at Jamison Battle, this is a guy who could play either the three or the four. Uh, he's already a proven scorer at the Big Ten level. Uh, like you said, he's going to give them some of that three-point shooting that they're losing. 
And so I, I think this is a, a really good addition for Ohio State. You know, we've seen, you know, they've had mixed results when they've brought in guys from, you know, mid-major schools. Some of them have had trouble, you know, making that jump to the Big Ten level. This is a guy who's already proven he can play at the Big Ten level. So I think you feel really good about him as somebody who can be a plug-and-play starting forward next year. I still think Ohio State needs a transfer guard, too, because I think if you look at you know who they have right now, they have Bruce Fortin, they have Roddy Gale, uh, they have Tayson Chapman. Uh, Scotty Middleton's a versatile guy who could play you know really guard or forward, but... I think they could still use another ball handler, somebody uh, to back up Bruce Fortin, ideally somebody who can uh, play alongside him as well. And so that, you know, it's not just a guy who's strictly a backup, but, you know, I I do think a transfer guard is certainly on Ohio State's radar as well. Uh, There have been reports that Ohio State is hosting East Carolina transfer Javon Small this week, who uh, bad pun, but I would say maybe a little small compared to what you'd want uh, in terms of a guard who could potentially pair a Fortin and that he's only six foot two. But you look at the production from last year, 15.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, 5.6 assists per game. You think about what they had in that role last year of Isaac Likely. I think the good thing with Isaac Likely is he had that versatility he had that size to where he could he could play several different positions on the floor and he wasn't strictly a backup point guard, but he didn't offer much of a scoring punch. Uh, a guy like Javon Small, he he would bring some of that scoring ability. He'd bring that passing ability. And so uh, whether it ends up being Javon Small or, or someone else, I, I certainly think there's still a need there for Ohio State to add another veteran guard who can come in and play with Thornton, with Gale, with those incoming freshmen. I feel like the the starting five is already starting to come into clear view for Ohio State when you look at next year because obviously a lot of those freshmen earned starting jobs by the end of last season anyway and it ended up really kind of emerging uh, as guys that you know you could easily see continuing to to play those roles at the start of next season so you know if you're thinking of obviously Bruce Thornton as a guy who who started every game this past year of course he's going to be the starting point guard again for Ohio State Roddy Gale who was really, you know, one of the revelations of the the late season for Ohio State at that two guard spot? You're you're going to think you're going to plug him right back into the starting lineup there. Uh, Battle, of course, longtime starter, you know, for both George Washington and Minnesota. You know, he's got to come in and, and start right away to to bring some of that scoring and three point shooting into the lineup for Ohio State. The only real question after that, Dan, is whether or not Chris Holtman is is actually going to stick with that plan that he's talked about of playing Zed key and Felix Akpara at the same time. And if that is the case, does that mean that both of those guys are going to start or is one of those guys going to come off the bench? And that's more of a, you know, a situational kind of package where you're throwing both of those guys into the starting lineup. Um, Obviously that would be a much bigger lineup than you've seen in the past. Um, I almost feel like, you know, if, if they're not going to roll with that option, then you're going to have to, almost start, you know, depending on what ends up shaking out with the transfer portal, the possibility that the Bryce Sensabaugh could still maybe return, even though that seems kind of unlikely. Um, if, but if not that, then you're kind of looking at, you know, do you plug in a Scotty Middleton right away to have a, you know, kind of a smaller lineup and a guy that's going to bring a lot of defensive versatility um, to the table right away, a long guy that can guard multiple positions? Um, or are you going to, to plug in um, you know, a Devin Royal who's who might bring some some physicality um, and, and things like that could could possibly also maybe play some some four as well, kind of have two guys 
uh, there with with Jamison Battle that could play the three or four, whereas Middleton you're looking is at more of a, a two three, uh, depending on how you would kind of want to to mix that up there. So that's kind of my thoughts, Stan, right now on, on how the but you know my projected starting lineup would be for Ohio State next season. Yeah, I'm I, I'm still not buying the idea of Felix Akpara and Zed Key both starting together. I just think the way college basketball has evolved in years. I mean, again, we talk about it every year. We see it in March Madness, but it, it's not the teams of a bunch of bigs that win. It's it's the teams of great guard play, and so I, I just don't see it. Uh, this idea, you know, maybe there's situational games where maybe it makes sense to do that, but I, I think on a game to game basis, I, I just don't see. Uh, the idea of starting uh, two centers out there. And so my 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 feeling is I think Felix Akpara should be the starting center. I think just based on what we saw from him, his development toward the end of last season and the upside that he has going into year two, I look at Felix Akpara as the starting center. I see Zed uh, being a guy who is going to play a lot off the bench. Uh, you know, again, maybe there are some situations where those guys – uh, play together, but I look at Zed being kind of a you know a six man there in the front court, uh, you know backing up Felix Akpara could go the other way around, but I think either way, I think both those guys are going to get a lot of minutes. Uh, I I do think that you know Jameson Battle is going to be one of those uh, two starting forwards. I see him probably playing before mostly, but I think you know he can move between the two spots. I, I will say for uh, synergy purposes, I do like the idea of a battle royal. Uh, front court uh, <laughs> but if I have to project my my projection right now I would project Scotty Middleton to to start at the three I think his ability uh, you know on defense particularly I think his ability to to impact both ends of a floor uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of those guys started I mean I don't even rule out the possibility that you know maybe a Tanner Holden now that he's been at Ohio State for a year you know maybe he can grow into a bigger role uh, in his second year at Ohio State, but we didn't see enough from him last year for me to really feel confident projecting that. And so right now, I would project that Scotty Middleton uh, is going to start there alongside Jamison Battle at forward. But, you know, I do think Devin Royal is another guy who I think is going to come in and play a lot again. I think Royal probably offers a little bit more initially on the offensive end. Middleton probably offers a little bit more initially on the defensive end. And so I think there's going to be roles for both of those guys. And then I certainly would agree with you uh, that Roddy Gale and Bruce Fortin are in line to be those starting guards. Uh, you know, certainly it, depending on who they might be able to add as a transfer, uh, it's possible that shakes things up. But I, you, you would certainly think based on what we saw at the end of last season that Bruce Fortin and Roddy Gale uh, are going to be the starting guards. Uh, you know, I think Chapman's going to have a role in there as well. Um, how big that role is, again, I think is going to depend on, you know, what what they might be able to add in terms of a starting guard. But, you know, I think you think about that rotation for next year. Like, I think right now they have, I would say, eight or nine guys that I would expect to be in the rotation between Akpara and Key, Battle Royal, Middleton, Thornton, Gale, Chapman, and then probably Tanner Holden, but we don't really know based on what we saw this past year. You know, I think adding one more guy to that mix via the transfer portal, I think if they can do that, I think you feel pretty good about the core that you have on this team for next season. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, I definitely didn't want to to overlook Tanner Holden there in that mix because obviously he's a guy that's done a lot of great things uh, in the past. It was just that, you know, obviously a guy 
with such a limited role for Ohio State this past season, you kind of wonder what the future is going to be for a guy like that. So uh, that's why things with him kind of seem less certain right now when you're kind of projecting forward. Uh, but Dan, how about uh, so some women's basketball news for Ohio State? Taylor Mike Sell uh, drafted, uh, you know, in the, in the WNBA draft by the Indiana Fever, the first pick of the second round, um, where she's going to team up with another, you know, former standout at Ohio State in Kelsey Mitchell. Um, who was Ohio State's first WNBA draft pick, uh, or, or I should say Mike Sell being the first uh, WNBA draft pick for the Buckeyes since 2018. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch there in Indiana for sure, of course. Uh, Kelsey Mitchell, uh, right, the best shooter in Ohio State history, and and, Tanner, and Taylor Mike Sell put herself right up there with her play the last couple of years. So uh, watching them. Uh, play together uh, there in Indiana uh, will, will certainly be fun. Uh, Indiana uh, had four of the top 17 picks in Monday night's WNBA draft. So their team uh, was not good last year, but they're going to be looking to uh, make a turnaround and certainly hoping uh, Taylor Mike sell and her scoring ability uh, can be a part of that. Uh, another note that's cool for uh, women's basketball is on Monday, the Buckeyes landed a commitment uh, from, I might, butcher of a name, but uh, Saini Hicks, uh, she is uh, from Cincinnati, and she is actually the sister of Chris Henry Jr., who was one of the first players in the 2026 class uh, to receive an offer from Ohio State football. Of course, uh, his father uh, was uh, Chris Henry, uh, the, the late Bengals wide receiver, and uh, Chris Henry Jr. Uh, looks like someone who uh, has the potential uh, to be a future NFL receiver in his own right, which sounds like a crazy thing to say about a high school freshman, but uh, he's got some uh, great gifts. And uh, his, his older sister, uh, also uh, a very talented athlete in her own right, who will now have the opportunity to play at Ohio State. And so certainly the possibility, uh, certainly I think a lot of people at Ohio State who are hoping uh, that there will be uh, two Buckeyes in the family there, uh, one arriving in 2024. And then uh, depending on how things unfold with Chris Henry Jr., perhaps another one arriving to play football at Ohio State in 2026. Well, that'll do it for us here, Dan. Uh, we've got a couple more media opportunities coming up before the spring game on Saturday. Got the, the coaches clinic, clinic coming up as well, Dan. So uh, certainly we'll have a lot to talk about on next week's show after the spring game and the conclusion of Ohio State's spring schedule in general. Yeah, no doubt about that. We'll certainly recap everything we saw at the spring game uh, next week, you know, probably kind of uh, take stock of where things stand in terms of uh, the depth chart and all that coming out of the spring next week. And uh, most likely we're going to start some transfer portal activity uh, by the time we are talking to you next week as well. So going to be no shortage of football topics to talk about next week. We hope you will join us then. Have a good one, everyone.